and welcome to Funny Business, a podcast for free thinkers. I'm Lockie Bradford. And I'm Robbie Hicks. On today's episode, we have the wonderful Dan Remy back at us again. He's yeah. uh, and, and his good friend. And his good friend, Boot. Yeah. And you, you may be thinking, who's Boot? And mm. that doesn't sound like a name. That like, it's like Seal. You it's know like Seal, like, yeah. Is, is, is he an artist? Is, is he, he Banksy? Sing? Like, what's going on there? Well, Banksy vibes. But we're, we're, we're obviously, on, anytime I get to speak to with Dan, I'm pumped. He's a funny dude, isn't he? And when you get when it translates into a podcast like it did today, it's magic, isn't it? Oh, well, we go pretty deep on all the things that you've been into a bit more lately. And uh, I actually, we had... Yeah, uh, you changed your mind halfway through you through this pod because around the old NFT space and the Web3 and all this sort of stuff. The Cryptoverse and the yeah, Metaverse and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. I've been sitting on the fence for a while now, but um, speaking to people inside the game, inside the arena, making things happen, launching projects. We've been dipping our toes in the space a little bit more recently and to hear what these guys are up to, uh, it was pretty eye-opening. It was, and explain well. Enjoy. Well, yeah, you'll love it. Mr. Remy and Boot, mate. Boys, thank you so much for uh, <laughs> That's the worst intro you've ever given. Jumping on funny business. Oh. For those at home listening, tell us who are you? What do you do? Oh, fucking panic. <laughs> hey guys. Well, hey, thanks for having me back. Like, um, very, very honored. Um, so last time we spoke, um, just to kind of give you a quick rundown of who I am again, like entrepreneur in Melbourne, built and sold um some businesses in um kind of like the normie world um bricks and mortar like a nightclub and a complicating company then i entered tech really really fell in love with um ux design and kind of like just completely immersed myself in that space and over uh, what a lot of people don't know about me but my close friends is that i've been involved in the crypto space since 2015 my exposure to it was a couple of friends of mine worked at this small company uh, called coinbase now like the biggest like exchange in the world and they told me to purchase bitcoin and ethereum when it was like literally ethereum was like 11 dollars. i was like what the fuck is this right so that's kind of been my exposure into crypto and then i met boot um a couple of years ago and he's been exposing me and um into the nft world and it's just this wild wild west of a space and that's why we're here today we just want to introduce me to my business partner tell you about like as in what we're working on at the moment and kind of like as in this amazing space called the NFT world and like, you know, Web3 and just metaverse. But yeah, yeah. Boot, no, good, good, uh, good summation there, Dan, Mr. Remy. Um, yeah, so my name is Boot. That's not my real name, obviously. This is my uh, pseudonymous uh, profile in Web3, which is my Web3 brand, I guess. So if you're wondering why there's a weird profile picture on, on the screen, it's an NFT. This is an NFT that I own and this is my brand in the space. But I guess, yeah, so I would say that what I do Thanks. in the space... Yeah, Banksy. I mean, look, if I am Banksy, then yeah, that's, that's some early alpha getting revealed on this show then for the first time. But uh, yeah, I guess what I've described myself as maybe like an early NFT adopter, digital creator, uh, NFT advocate. I don't know. So there's some, some buzzwords there that work kind of uh, guy involved in the NFT space for about uh, nearly a year and a half now. Uh, and have built out some successful projects, been consulting on some projects, uh, helped, I guess, other people on board into Web3. Um, again, I'm an advocate for Web3 in promoting, I guess, where I see the future for, I guess, blockchain tech in where it can kind of bridge the gaps of how sort of Web2 has failed or is failing or failing to keep pace with the current realities of what's kind of needed in the tech space. So I guess that's kind of like 
a brief summation of what I what I've done and what I'm trying to do. But it's kind of like basically all things blockchain and basically all things Web three would be uh, the the short summation of that. Can I like- and, and is the Web three sort of version a way better uh, sort of option for artists now, isn't it? Because it's like complete ownership of all these different things. You can see where everything's going compared to Web two, where it's like totally different. Is that how it is? Yeah. So look, I mean, Web three has given, I guess, the tools to mm-hmm. artists to kind of bypass the traditional gatekeeping of um, galleries and things like that. So you know, there was a whole heap of these talented digital artists that for years were kind of struggling to make ends meet, right? They were getting, you know, gigs to draw like uh, some fantastic bit of work and they might make like five, uh, sorry, 50 to like 500 bucks off it, right? Like then it would take them like two weeks or something like that. So it was like a really low paid gig. But as soon as I guess the concept of NFTs came around, it kind of gave more uh, sovereignty to like these digital creators to go and upload their work, well not upload, but like, to basically mint their work to the blockchain and then have it purchased without the need for a gallery to gatekeep them, right? So, I mean, in the early stages of NFTs, that was probably on par in terms of profitability with what they were doing. Um, but it was just sort of like another avenue, like basically a second canvas to sort of create on. And, you know, there was definitely the providence of their ownership was through the blockchain. So they could say definitively, this is a digital product created by me. And, you know, we will 100% know that it's created by me. Um, and, and then from there, I guess, with the explosion of NFTs, those artists realized that they kind of had a leg up on everybody already uh, or outside of the space in that they'd already built up a profile. They had a, a bunch of existing work uh, already uh, on chain in the space. And then when the scene blew up, I mean, some of these people went from making, you know, 50 to $500 to now making millions of dollars kind of thing. So it's been a wild ride for them. Yeah. Hey, just to jump in, like, can I describe... This is how I introduced Boot to, like, as in um, my family and friends, right? So they're like, Dan, what have you been up to? And I was like, oh, man, I went down the rabbit hole. Like, um, you know, NFTs and kind of crypto. They're like, oh, my God, what, what's another rabbit hole you got down, right? So at, at Christmas, they'll go, what are you working on? And I was like, I'm working on this um, new studio. My business partner is like this guy. They're like, like, who is this guy, right? So I was like, so March last year, Boot um, and I, he pitches me this idea of what we're working on right now, right? And it's like this... NFT studio where we kind of onboard artists into the space and we kind of like take their collection to to market and essentially kind of like as in on um, help them kind of launch a collection right so at that time it was March um, and I was like oh look man like it's a great idea but like I'm about to have a baby I don't have the capacity good luck all the best right dude anyway he goes off puts a team together puts a um, full collection sells that was it three thousand five hundred nfts uh yeah we sold three thousand nfts in two minutes yeah yeah and which was like three thousand and like just numbers wise it was like over seven figures right so in two minutes like literally they sold out like it was ridiculous it was crazy we reconnected in august and he was like look the opportunity is this the time is now right and i do my thing in my in my usual just like good entrepreneur i just kind of kept drilling brute and just kind of talking about the space and the problem and everything it was just like wow, there's a huge opportunity right now for good people to get into this space and actually build proper businesses and proper companies with processes, structure, like, you know, mission statements and kind of like scaling it properly. And so that's why we're here now. But Boot is like the guy, he literally, he's got the the golden pass into this space. He's friends with all the whales, he's friends with all the collectors and just by being immersed 
in this community really really well but he's to his name he's like put a collection um, and sold it out within two minutes and you know exited seven figures it's ridiculously crazy and and how are you making friends in the space early doors are you just is it the early adopters around where you're going oh yeah like we're sort of in the same space this is what we're doing we're sort of learning from each other or is it just like you just damn them or how does it work yeah where's the parties it was like um it's basically like by virtue of being early you were able to connect with all of these kind of influential people in the space. So um, I'm not sure if your listeners or if you guys know about Discord, which is the, the, the chatting thing, you know, the voice thing for gamers and stuff online. And that's kind of like the central hub of like what, where people in the uh, NFT community hang out, especially in, in the Web3 community. But like that wasn't what people were used to that kind of took off uh, start of last year. But like by being part of these communities, like, um, you know, I was in a Discord and like Paris Hilton's in that Discord and then like um, Dead Mouse is in that Discord and I'm chatting with Dead Mouse, like I'm sitting there and it's just me and him because no one else is around. And for two hours, he's talking to me and like uh, he might have had a few too many coffees, I'll just put it that way, but he was going off on a, a bit of a tangent about like, you know, this and that and Web3 development, stuff like that. To the point where I'm like, I have to leave this conversation with Dead Mouse because he's boring me, <laughs> like kind of thing. But like, <laughs> but like, it's not like a name dropping thing. It was just like, because I guess some of these celebrities were uh, uh, early to the space as well because they kind of saw it as a cool niche for them to capitalize on and to relaunch their brands, especially people like Paris Hilton because you know they've been in the spotlight for quite a while. And a lot of uh, guys who had done successful stuff in the music industry as well came to do Web3 because again, they're looking at more creative outlets to relaunch their brand as well. So there was a lot of these kind of people kicking around in the space in the early days in which you could kind of just become friends with by virtue of there being very few people in the space. And I think uh, obviously I didn't dox myself, but clearly I'm Australian and so there was not many Australians in the space in the early days as well. So that was kind of a point of difference for me. So I got I was able to sort of like uh, stand out from some of these um, other people who were trying to like uh, get recognition in the space. And so, yeah, just by virtue of being around for like, you know, one and a half years kind of in the space, I've been able to make some really great connections with some, I guess, some pretty influential people just by accident. Yeah. What attracted you both to this space in the first place? Like what was the thing that said, I want to start learning more. I want to get into this. Mm. Do you, um, do, you, do you mind if I go first, Boot? Yeah, go for it. So, like I said, I think for me, like I said, I've always kind of like made a living and a career out of actually just immersing myself um, in emerging kind of like trends and essentially technology. And like as an always being kind of early adopters, are, some things have done really, really well and some things have done, you know, I was just like, um, they just haven't kind of lifted up. But I've always constantly had a constant learning growth mindset. But for me, like as in, it's really interesting because I was talking to Boot about ages ago, like as in people that are into crypto usually aren't into NFTs. People that are into NFTs aren't usually into crypto. It's like this weird kind of like silo thing. But from my perspective, I feel like it's kind of merging right now. And that's why it's kind of this interesting time. But for me, what attracted me to this space was the fact that like, if you look at Web2 at the moment, like everything that's happening, it's a congested market, right? Like it's everyone is competing for the same goddamn pie. And if you look at Web3, it's a, I, and like Brit is going to laugh, but I always talk about the blue ocean strategy, right? How let's start finding new oceans and new opportunities where there aren't that many players yet where we can actually go into the space and help define that future. And so for me, it's the fact that like everyone's over here. Why don't we look over here and see where we can actually make an impact and build a proper business? 
and Carmichael's and actually kind of define that path in the industry through by creating. But that's why I'm interested and that's why when Brit and I started talking seriously in August last year, I really went down the rabbit hole and I was like, wow, the opportunities are endless. And I keep texting you, Lockie, on the side. I was like, you guys would kill it in this space. You guys would kill it in this space. And, but yeah, it's just, that's what, that's what attracted me initially. So is yeah. it about the, um, edu- like, is it now the part now of the education now where it's like, that's a part of it, like introducing new people into the space to try and get more people in there now? Is that how it is now? Or, not, or is it just sort of building and building until it naturally happens? Um, I think from like as an out, the core, like as in purpose for 310 Studios, like which the studio that Brut and I are building, it is onboarding artists that we believe in into the space. Because like if I was to tell you, Locke and um, Rob, to kind of go and purchase a, um, a, a piece of traditional art, it's easy. You just go either online or go to an art gallery or something like that. Um, but if you were to kind of go purchase a um, NFT, it's like, I think I counted the other day, it's like a 20-step process. And that's when Boot and I realised that we are so early to the game because imagine once this process gets UXed and, like, it becomes easier and easier to kind of purchase. But for an artist, it's a lot harder to do as well because it's like they've got to get the development team, they've got to get the community managers, the mods, they've got to actually get the marketing, they go to market strategy, which is something that Boot and I would, you know, take care of. Um, and then kind of onboard you. And all you have to do as an artist is actually just create art and then you fall under our umbrella and then we take care of all the other stuff and reduce those those 20 steps into hopefully just the seamless experience. Yeah, and to add to that, Dan, it's like, I think initially, so in the starting days of NFTs and I'm friends with a lot of artists who's kind of started in this space and they, you know, they made a really good career of the, like in the space, but like their initial, uh, I guess, approach was to just, mint stuff and sell it. And that kind of worked, right? But as the space has matured, things have become more complicated and it demands more professionalism and it demands a greater team to do more complex, uh, uh, I guess, functions. So it's become, I always tell Dan, it's like uh, these projects in the NFT spaces are essentially startups, right? And they need to be treated as such. Mm. But the problem is with artist-led, I guess, uh, businesses, I mean, most, look, some artists are good at doing multiple things, but most artists are artists because they didn't want to be in the business world, right? They wanted to do creative stuff and sort of get away from that kind of, I guess, grinding approach uh, to sort of, to selling their, their works. They wanted someone to take care of, of that for them in the form of a gallery, and they just wanted to create. And a lot of these artists who went to the NFT space, they found some initial success just by virtue of it being really hot. But now it's not enough to just create. You have to sell, you have to have a point of difference, you have to market. You basically need to have a team. And so these artists found that they were spending all of their time on like marketing and like, you know, project management in terms of like uh, building out these roadmaps and like projections and metrics and things like that. And it took all of their time away from their ability to create art. So they weren't doing the thing that they wanted to do in the first place. So I think that that's where this agency model that me and Dan are looking at kind of bridges the gap there for them and helps them not only onboard into the space, but take care of all of the back end stuff behind the scenes stuff that they may not have the capacity to do or may not want to do. So I guess, you know, moving forward, uh, it's looking at creating a structure and a process and allowing these artists to have access to that and allowing them to do what they love. Mm. I love the model, big fan of the model. Yeah, I think I think I just think it's 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 so it's so it's so smart. The fact that you're talking about like there's 20 steps now, like I wouldn't understand. I don't buy, I don't own any cryptocurrency. So for me, if I wanted to buy 
what's the process now if I wanted to go buy something? What are what are the 20 steps and where do you see it going? Yeah, like as in it's ridiculous. At a high level, don't give me, don't give me all 20 yeah, steps, like, you know? Um, it's ridiculous. It's like literally, seriously, it's a 20 step process. You got to go purchase, purchase cryptocurrency on an exchange. Then you got to convert that cryptocurrency into the currency that the platform uses. Then you got to transfer it to a digital, like it's created to a digital wallet. Then you got to get that wallet. Then you're going to connect it to the marketplace. It's quite like so. The steps are ridiculous, right? So, it's um, I won't bore you with the actual like as in you know the twenty steps, but that's where when, when Buddha and I saw the opportunity. Like as in, imagine once more people enter this space, there's going to be people out there that are going to create like reduce those steps more and more and more, and that's when we realized we were really really early, and that's why we wanted to create and kind of be part of this be part of this um this new space yeah there's a barrier there in terms of the steps as dan's put it you know like i mean just buying cryptocurrency is hard enough and that you have to sign up to an exchange and go through all the kyc to actually get verified right connect your bank account transfer cash across then purchase crypto right then that's just holding it on the exchange which is not necessarily holding it in in a wallet right so uh you have to get it off the exchange into a wallet set up a wallet remember a seed phrase, right? Have this wallet there and then not forget the seed phrase so you don't lose access to your crypto. Then go and find NFTs on marketplaces, buy them, sign all these transactions, pay a gas fee. And people are like, what's a gas fee? Like, why am I paying? This NFT said it was 0.05 Ethereum, but now it's cost me 0.13. It doesn't explain to you why it costs that much. It's just that's a network transaction fee. So to onboard somebody new to the space, it's not only uh, like an exhaustive step-by-step process like that, that has many friction points. It's also expensive. And if you make a mistake on the blockchain, it's unforgiving. You've just, it, it's, it's forever. So it's like, oh, I, I accidentally went to mint this NFT and then the transaction cost was three times the NFT. But because I had some, uh, I didn't set the transaction quote unquote gas amount high enough Therefore, my transaction failed and I ended up losing $500. Now, what I just said probably makes no sense to anybody listening. But if you're in the NFT space, it's like, oh, you had a failed gas transaction. Oh, that sucks kind of thing. But like, how do you explain to a new person all of this weird, complicated stuff and that they don't get their money back and that there's no refunds and that maybe even them competing to buy this project was not even the right project, right? So like, it's just this, it's as much as people who are in NFTs talk about it being this revolution i mean they are correct in that it's coming but right now the barrier to entry is so huge for the average person to get involved right and you know with uh time that's going to change and as more money enters the ecosystem and people get comfortable making transactions in that way it will become easier but right now i think we're kind of like uh towing the line between uh, getting to mass adoption but like we're not we're not there yet so we're still quite early yeah it's like a question for yeah, sorry, 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 Dan. I got a question for you, but for those you've been in there in this space for a while now, what are some of the places that people can start? Like, are there other people that have like these like Web three brands that like they don't? It's all about like doing like I understand what you're doing because like you love wrestling. It's about creating a character. It's yeah. like that. It, it's a. It's like what you're trying to go towards. And what are some of the places like top five or top ten people if we want to go and like immerse ourselves now and get up to speed on who are the players that we should look out for in the NFT space? Yeah, who, so who yeah, that's a good question. I'll start with an Australian. So Maddie, um, DCL blogger, if you check him out on Twitter, he's been in the space since I think 
2017. So he's a really early adopter and another Australian. So he's a great resource and he helps, I guess, onboard people to the space through his project, which is the MetaKey. So check that out. Um, another big name in the space is uh, Richard. I can't remember what his actual handle is, but he is the lead uh, smart contract developer. So the guy who does all the, the coding and stuff for the NFTs, like essential for the, the, the and NFT really, ecosystem. Tell, yeah, tell him what he's famous for, which was like- Oh yeah. So, okay. So Richard is famous for, he got a $10 million offer on his CryptoPunk and he said, no, I will not sell uh, because he hit. So basically see how I have my profile <laughs> picture here. His CryptoPunk is his profile picture. Someone offered him 10 million bucks and he said, $10 no. Million dollars, yeah. But, but let's put me. It, it's like buying me, you know? No, thanks. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, exactly. And look, he's attached his whole branding of his smart contract studio and uh, to to that image. So he wasn't willing to sell his brand. But I mean... 10 mil. I haven't met many people who turned down 10 mil. That's, that's for, yeah. But like, I mean, he's doing quite well comparatively in the space, but it's still 10 mil. But um, yeah, so he's definitely someone to follow. And he believes in like democratizing the space. So he So basically all of these platforms in which artists were minting their work like you had to like apply, submit a portfolio uh, and go through this process. So it was starting to mimic the real world. Um, mm -hmm. And he was like, no, I don't want to do that. So he released this uh, minting process whereby they could just uh, do exactly what these platforms were doing for them, but without having to go through them kind of thing. So he's a really good, uh, uh, I guess, NFT and Web3 advocate. And look, honestly, I, I reckon this guy's going to have a billion dollar company in a couple of years time. Like just, just the way that he's moving and the, the people that he's connected with and his ethos is just really, really uh, fantastic. There must um, be um, so much cash floating in the space. Like the people involved, like how much money do they have? Who are they? You know what I mean? Like who are these other people with all these millions of dollars? And that's why people don't want to kind of like release their true identity. <laughs> yeah true can i ask a dumb question when you got your profile picture you got crypto punk or you got your, your what else can you do with it well it depends on the project so look this is this do i have to get the projector up in my room so i can look at the thing like what am i what else could i use it for is it to like go virtual nightclubs in the metaverse like tell me now that i buy this this thing I know that some are attached to communities and it's tokens which allow you to commercially stuff. and stuff. Like, what yeah. are some of their things like besides that? Is that all? Is that just like your profile? Is it like your character? Like your? Is that how it works? Yeah. So look, I mean, it could range from a, 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 like you know from many things. So basically, I guess it is you know the the picture is just the image part of the NFT, right? But it's actually just a token that's on the blockchain, right? So the token is basically most in most cases kind of a membership pass that grants you access to other stuff right like so it might unlock something uh in like decentraland which is that kind of that metaverse space where you can go and like go to like an online kind of party event or maybe it grants you whitelist access to other nft drops so you get it in without having to compete in these things called gas wars which is basically where if everybody's going for a certain really high popular drop the cost of the transaction increases like exponentially so if you get in early you might only pay like 100 bucks transaction fee but these guys who are coming in to compete might pay like a thousand bucks so it's like, like a guarantee so it's supply demand like uber well it's, it's kind of like they allow you to get in early like you're all you're on the guest list and everybody else is at the door basically right but then the cover uh, charge is way higher and then you can sell your <laughs> your, your 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 entry pass right so you know allows, about that dan vip only huh you guys love that only. you love that reference but it's uh <laughs> it allows you to profit right so 
buying into these communities like Board Ape Yacht Club and things like that. It yeah, there's a degree of, of digital clout, definitely. Uh, it's also part fashion, right? Because that's what it is. It's a profile picture. You can verify it now on Twitter to show that you own it. It gives you clout. Because then people are like, okay, I know that this person has a two hundred thousand dollar profile picture, right? So like they must either have some money or be like an early adopter to the space or like, you know, maybe they understand Web3 and the NFTs a lot. So like, I'm going to start following them so they can build their followership base and things like that. Celebrities are buying it for credibility in Web3 to show that they're kind of like still cool. They, you know, they understand the space or like they understand where the hot projects are. But basically there's not any limit to what buying an NFT can do because the token can grant you access to so many different things. So it's, it's a hard question to answer, but you know, there's going to be different use cases for different uh, NFTs. I mean, the again, this profile picture stuff, I have a doodle, right? What does a doodle do? It's just a doodle. But they're worth like 11 Ethereum, which is like, uh, what's that, like 30, 34? Uh, no, no, 34 AUD at the moment because of market crash. 34K. Um, so like, but like what, what gives this thing value? Well, people want it. That's That's it. So it's like supply and demand kind of thing. Uh, yeah, it, it's, a, it's a strange question as to what gives NFTs value, but I think it's more like belonging to communities, you know, digital clout, NFTs as a form of fashion, access to exclusive content, and probably the ability to generate further profit is, is, is driving a lot of this. Yeah. And to answer, to build on that as well, like, as in, it's like art, right? Like, as in, why do people purchase art? Like, as in, it's quite subjective as well, but it's just like, um, you know, people sometimes love purchasing up because they want to look at it as well. But sometimes people purchase it purely for an investment perspective. Um, E.g. Jimmy, Jimmy Fallon last, last night or the night before was talking about his board ape that he purchased on the Tonight Show. So he's shilling his profile picture to a pretty mass audience of millions around the world. So like as in, you're seeing a lot of celebrities right now parking their money into this space as well. Like as in they're just purchasing like um, NFTs just to kind of like, you know, either have clout or park their money in, in, in yeah, as, as a separate investment, like Snoop Dogg purchasing land in the, you know, into central land, like Reese Witherspoon, like legally blonde lady essentially purchasing NFTs. Like this space is like- Gwyneth Paltrow as well recently. She yeah, got a board. Yeah. yeah. What? It's just like crazy, crazy. Like, cause in, it's like this movement is moving there as well. So, but people are purchasing for all completely different reasons. Are celebrities, are there any um, ones who've tried to create stuff and it hasn't worked out or have, people have just gone, well, that's a bit shit? Yeah, like a lot of, there's been a ton, <laughs> ton of celebrity cash grabs. Um, I'm yeah. trying to even think of, because they've kind of fallen out of fashion lately. I know that Cheech and Chong just released a, an NFT collection <laughs> and my friend was doing the marketing on that project and um, I'm not going to talk about the behind the scenes of that. But um, yeah, that kind of is now dipping because it's like, they were, they were launching it on the Ethereum blockchain and then you saw them on Twitter saying, hey, everybody get your Bitcoin ready. And it's kind of like, oh, okay, <laughs> they don't even know where they're selling this thing. So like, you know, you can, you can, kind, of, uh, you can kind of get a gauge for, for who's doing well and who's not going to do well. But I think there's kind of like, there's traditional celebrities who are trying to break into it. Like Ozzy Osbourne released these bats and they did really well. I was super surprised. So like got on the whitelist for that. I think it cost me like 600 bucks. And then they ended up being worth two Ethereum each, which was like six, six grand a pop, right? Uh, and I was like super surprised for a celebrity cash grab that Ozzy Osbourne's turned out to be like the best one. And it was also like really well developed. So like kind of like, I guess it's like some of them are just like clearly shit and some of them can be like, there's a little bit more thought behind them. But like 
most of the celebrities in this NFT space are not trad world celebrities. They're NFT celebrities, right? They're influencers who have just gotten big in the space. And that's how, and they're like, they can make a collection and sell it out and kind of make a killing because like they have an inbuilt audience already. And they also understand what the space wants and what's driving the space and partially they're driving the space as well. So it's kind of like, I think in the next couple of years, we'll see people who made, uh, you know, not only their fortunes, but made their kind of career based on as a celebrity, but uh, particularly with Web3 and particularly with NFTs. So mm-hmm. I'd be interested to see where that goes in the future. Yeah. It's, and like, isn't Boot doesn't like this um, platform or token. It's called Theta. But Katy Perry released um, NFTs in December sometime. And, you know, as just a revenue stream, just added millions to a bottom line of just literally selling um, photos of her at these concerts in Las Vegas and, you know, like loyal, um, you know, Katy Perry fans from like 13 to 18 purchased their first NFT um, using theater and like, it's crazy. So as a, from an artist and creative perspective, yeah, it's an extra revenue stream that they have now added to their list of um, um, like as in things that they can now generate money from, from the community. That's why they come see you. You look after it. You, you, you do it all. You <laughs> mentioned 13 to 18. What's the, what's the like, where where's the key market at the moment and how are kids young and 13 buying crypto and getting they're, shit they're probably sorted. more wrapped around it than are us they, aren't they yeah, yeah. Are they inside <laughs> metaverse is there is their life just like half metaverse half real life or like is there any real life there well the i think look the average age of somebody involved in the nft space is in their 30s right because it's about having the disposable income to buy like let's let's be real here a, a kind of stupid looking profile picture that costs more than a car right so like that that that's the that's the reality of it but like uh definitely kids look I, I can tell you a story i i'm friends with a guy who's a 16 year old guy in the space like american kid good kid uh never spoken to him on voice chat he has a guy forks kind of like pixelated picture and when he chats to you in voice chat he uses a like you know that i am bill gates kind of like uh, little talking no voice thing. yeah it's yeah yeah and off. this guy has made like seven figures in the space he's killing it he's done a bunch of collections he's like an extremely talented coder He's like botting drops and like, you know, get, like he's like a sneaker botter kind of guy. And he, I, I don't think he can legally purchase crypto, but he's, he's somehow got around it because like some of those kids are just like, they're so across all of this stuff. Like they're going through and like setting up discords for celebrities and charging like 20 to 50K just to do it because it's like, they know how to do it, right? But it's such a simple thing for them because they've been doing it for their gaming communities this whole time. So like there's some really talented young people in the space, but I think that the average young person is not yet involved in the NFT space because it's expensive, right? And unless you're kind of like the standout kind of like young genius, it's a really hard kind of space to get into. But definitely there is a growing presence of people, you know, in their early to mid-20s coming through. But like I think, and again, people, I guess, uh, 45 and older also coming in. But mainly it's probably 25 to, to, to 35 would be the main age demographic, I think, at the moment. Of people who are playing, but it's it, it really it's appealing to the next generation coming through because they understand it more. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, because it's if like, they, and if they had money, they'd be buying stuff. Correct, and it's it's also partly to do with the Ethereum blockchain just being like prohibitively expensive in terms of those those uh, transaction fees, right? Because it's like if you see a hundred dollar NFT, you might have a hundred bucks, but if it's going to cost you one hundred and fifty in the transaction fee to get it, it's like well, then the transaction fee is worth more than the NFT. So it's like that's why. It, at this point in time, there's not that rate of adoption. But I think in future, as you move from proof of work, uh, 
systems to proof of stake where it becomes cheaper to do the transactions, you're going to see more people uh, uptaking uh, NFTs and I guess just Web3 in general. Yeah. So who gets the who gets the, the kickback for the transaction fee? So the miners, yeah. So they're basically the guys who are mining. They, they, I'm not like an expert in terms of like the tech of, 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 in terms of this stuff, but like the guys who are processing the transactions and who are the miners behind the scenes are the ones who are making most of the money on the Ethereum blockchain because like because of the increased rate of adoption the the gas gas is basically the, yeah. the cost of doing business on the ethereum blockchain has skyrocketed and unless you're paying a premium to have your transaction processed by one of these miners it just doesn't get picked up so you have to pay more and more and more and these guys uh, by processing these transactions are taking a bigger and bigger cut a bigger slice of the pie so i think that Long term, like that's that's what's putting people off and stopping the scalability of the whole network. Yeah. So they're like energy generators, that's basically. Gas. Yeah, basically. So let's just say they're selling the fuel that you need to power the car to do the transaction. Yeah, I'm loving this chat. Sick. Oh, yeah. you know what? I'm not going to lie. Rob was a bit like, I don't know how this is going to go today. I'm not, I'm not too sure about this whole thing. And he's just wrote down. Who's changed my mind? You've changed yeah. my mind. <laughs> I've been on the fence for a while, and I've, I've like I've been watching the space, and I've been like. I was working on blockchain projects back in like 20, I don't know, 16, 17 through the consultancy I was working at. And I understand like the power the stuff has, but I'm not, we've just got lots of other stuff yeah. going on. I haven't given it the time to get deep and play in this, but I guess yeah. it's like insane. It's, it's pretty crazy hearing some of the stuff well, of like, what you're up to and how it's yeah. working, but also more like just in terms of like culture and social currency about how it's sort of, it's, it's there now. It's not like it's a, I fuck the tech part. It's the how it how it actually integrates with how people live and operate and work and and like to do shit. Yeah, and it's it's freedom, you know, to, to get away from like if you don't want to do the corporate grind, you can go and work on Web three and create a project and kind of like you know team up with a bunch of people and just like launch this kind of brand and product into this the metaverse and and you can you know make a living from it. I think part of it is also this crazy appeal is that my project that I did that that sold out like. Uh, the one we talked about earlier, I did that with people I've never met before. I've never seen them on camera. We've only ever chatted in voice. They live in Spain and they live in the US, right? So we've never met. I don't know if we'll ever meet, but like we launched a project collaboratively together and we we did it. We sold it out kind of thing. So it's like this, it, this wow. weird way of this like trust-based system whereby, you know, I spend more time talking to people who I have no idea what they look like, I don't know what their names are. They don't know what my name is. And I'm called Boot more than I'm called my, my, my real life name. So it's like this weird mix of like, you know, you're putting on this persona. It is essentially you, right? I mean, some people are like playing it up a lot more, but it's like, it's giving you the freedom to embark and be creative and like build brands and take risks without having any sort of drawback and blowback to your kind of like real world career. So like people that were, I guess, kind of like maybe tired of their job but didn't want to go on LinkedIn and do like the job grind and job search just in case like maybe their boss found out or their partner found out. Uh, they went on and like started launching like this alternate universe kind of like Web3 profile and Web3 co collections and like were making money there. And then once they got enough, like I guess, cash on the side to kind of go full-time into that and then made the leap. And it's a much less risky process than like trying to like job hunt like locally and then like have somebody find out that you're looking for a new job and then the boss has to have an uncomfortable conversation with you kind of thing so it's giving people the flexibility and the freedom to kind of really be creative and take risks i think yeah it just blows my brain about how the levels of trust needed to get projects like this off the ground because it's, it's a lot of heavy lifting to get this stuff done and i guess for the stuff that i do on a day-to-day -day living it's all about 
I really, really value the face to face and like the human interaction of what it is, but it's like, not everyone works like that. People are, prefer to be behind a persona that allows them to the freedom to give more, or is it more confidence to do stuff or play better or whatever it may be. It's like, just want it to look that way. This know, is what just, I want it to be. It like, sort of blows it's, it's, it's wrestling. It's, it's like, a different way of doing it's the shit. same thing. It's accentuating who you are, putting it out into a creative way on how you want people to see it. And that's the Correct. cool fucking thing, isn't it? That's the, yeah. that's the fun part. Yeah. The wrestling analogy is a good one because it's like these people pick up these kind of like full on, like, personas especially on twitter as well and they'll be like posting and saying stuff in this kind of like tongue-in-cheek way i guess like shit posting is the word right basically and they might be having these hot takes on the space basically um but in their normal world they could be an accountant right they they, they, they <laughs> like they could have the most boring like day-to-day life but then when they you know in between work they get to be this persona they get to be this character they get to act they get to wrestle right they get to put on the mask and enter the ring and they get to take on their opponents right and then at the end of the day they come home and they go back to their partner and they sit down and they watch tv kind of thing so it's allowing them an escape and it's if you think about the last two years in terms of context right a pandemic locked inside can't go out can't do anything you are starting to engage and only do this kind of like uh, virtual kind of conferencing stuff right there was a lack of that face-to-face so people were missing that kind of human connection and they weren't necessarily getting it through a Zoom call like, you know, we're going through through now, but they were getting it through Discord and having chats with people. And like, they were meeting coders, they were meeting like, uh, you know, smart contract devs, they were meeting celebrities, they were meeting just everyday people who were interested in this space and were passionate about this space. Uh, they were making money as well, right? Which doesn't hurt on the side. So like, there's this whole brave new world that was kind of, people were kind of thrust into by virtue of having to work digitally and then, you know, we're in a shit circumstance just based on the reality of the world at the time. And now from that, we're kind of coming out the other end of that. The space is still there and the space is still growing. And people have realized, actually, there is a big demand for this. This is kind of like where I want to be spending my time. I, I'm really about this. And this is a new way of working. So I think that kind of like, yeah, it was like a perfect storm of like right time, right place, right tech kind of thing. Yeah. And how do you, how many projects do you have going at the one time? Would you be doing four different things at once or is it like do you have to sink your teeth into one project at a time or it depends on the size of what you're doing well dan tells me that i <laughs> he, he always tells me to get offline it's like, it. because it's like, it's like i do i literally it's like part of my job is maintaining and managing boots energy um, levels because i literally could send him a message at 2 a.m on discord at 2.03, I get a message back. I was like, holy crap, dude. Like, you need to get offline, dude. But like, as in, yeah, um, Boot is online 23 hours of the day, talking to people in Russia, to South America, to like wherever. But obviously that was through his old, um, old projects or working across five different time zones, right? Like, so, but it's also his habit of being in this space. And that's how he actually picks up the intel, the information, the contacts, the relationships, and like, as in, um, like being so tapped into this, this world. People yeah. don't understand. You gotta, you gotta put yourself out there, and you gotta spend the time in it. Like that's the only way that you can do it. You can't. There's no cheat codes to no. building friends and networking a community. Is there? You have to be in it every day, showing up. Yeah, cool. it's it's grinding. It, it is it is a massive grind. And like people ask me, it's like, well, how do I get into NFTs? And how do I do a project? And how do I do this? And I'm like, you don't. You're not going to. Right. And it's not to cast aspersions on them and say that they don't have the ability to do so. It's just like. The time that you need to invest to do this is like if you aren't willing to at least start out and grind out 16 hours a day virtually, 
you, you're not going to build up the connections and the networks in order to do it. Unless you're already a celebrity, unless you've already got the capital to kind of throw at it and get the problem solved. If you're just starting out, like you can definitely make money in NFTs and you can definitely build the connections. It's just going to take you a long time, um, but you can't just enter. Like, I mean, we, me and Dan talk about a lot of these kind of like people from outside the space. They'll come, especially to me and him and they'll say, Hey, I want to do this collection. I want to do this. I want to start this agency model. It's like, but you have no idea of the space. You've never, you don't even own an NFT. Like, like how do you expect to sell something you don't own? Like, am I going to go down to a car, uh, to a Ferrari uh, salesman and just like, start trying to sell horses there you know like it's just like it's like it makes no sense because that's what these people are trying to do right they've got no knowledge of cars but they're trying to sell something into the market right but they don't even know what the market wants kind of thing so it's like uh, there's everybody go on linkedin look how many people just have nft slapped into their bio even there's all these only fans chicks coming on twitter as well and slapping nft into their bio none of these people have any clue about what it takes behind the scenes to get it done but they're putting it in there because it's a trendy word so i would say to those out there if they're, you know, if you're listening and you're thinking, hey, I want to get into a project, like, yes, you can, but you're going to have to put in the time and the effort and grind out the contacts and grind out the knowledge first. But second of all, if you're going to pay someone to, to do a project for you, make sure you know if they can do it, right? Make, go look at their history. Go look at the projects they've launched before. Go look at who they associate with online because a lot of these people will, will tell you, yeah, we can do it, but they'll just take your money and they'll fail to launch, right? And again, we're not going to talk of any failed projects that are going on the space but recently you know a bunch of people from i guess the trad business world have tried to launch stuff and it's you know they've taken on the a brand has come to them a big brand and said hey here's a couple million bucks i need you to do an nft project for me can you get it done and they'll be like yes and because this big brand doesn't understand that this these agencies or these these people don't know how to get it done they've just said yes and because these people don't know how to get it done either they've just said yes they've taken this thing to market and it's failed and what these brands aren't looking at is the potential blowback of failing in the in the the metaverse or with the NFT space first time, right? You can't fail. If you fail in NFTs, you're done. You have to reinvent yourself. So like a failure to sell out is a failure totally. So it's like, it is a high risk endeavor. And I would like urge brands and people looking to get into the space to think that through and like not to rush and to understand, okay, if it takes me six months, if it takes me a year to get involved, that's what it takes, right? It's it, NFTs... Uh, and these kind of web three as business, it's business. It's the same rules apply. So you've got to put the time in. You need credibility, don't you? You need you can't just come in and just go bang and everyone's going, you, you're not in it for the right reasons. You see through it, that's not part of the space. That's not why you go in it. And from a branding perspective, yeah. if you shit the bed, you get you lose all your street cred. Is that Correct. what you're telling? Yeah, yeah. And it's like that's the risk because these corporations, they don't know the tech and they're looking for these thought leaders to kind of take them to market. And I guess it kind of, look, the, the big guys can do it because they'll be able to get a proper team on board. They've got enough cash to throw. They'll, they'll attract the right talent, right? But it's the space where these kind of small to medium enterprises want to launch in and do an NFT, whereby, you know, that might like help their, their product line and it might help them in terms of marketing. But a failure to do that, I think, is deleterious to their brand overall, right? So that's like, I guess, the gap that me and Dan are trying to fill for these companies, right? For these kind of smaller scale, you know, medium to, to sort of enterprises, whereby they want to dip their toe in the water, but they don't know what they're doing. And again, this, this extends to artists as well, kind of like helping them onboard to the space and take a product to market without, you know, stuffing it up and without, you know, having this blowback to their brand. Because again, if you, if you launch something and you sell you know, maybe let's say you sell 5,000 NFTs to people, 
but then you aren't able to deliver on the promises. Now you've got 5,000 angry customers, right? Like, and that's like, that's horrible. Like, that's not a good look, you know? Like, yeah. Um, you know, like, as in, do you remember back in the 2000s when like all these web agencies came out and they would go to brands, they go, hey, if you want a website, it's going to cost you a hundred grand and we're going to build it in flash, right? And then all these big companies came along and they'll be like, actually, we do need a website because we need to get on this thing called the internet drop a hundred grand, go to an agency. They built some crazy flash, like, you know, um, flash player kind of website. And no one goes, there's no, they don't talk about the like digital marketing, how to actually get the website into their customer's hands. They just develop it, build it. And then now they've stuck with this old piece of technology and they've got to upgrade their website in about year, 18 months time. There's a lot of teams and developers that are doing that as well in this NFT space where they just go, hey, yeah, we'll take your money we'll get your product to market, but we don't care about the post launch and the, the actual kind of like the customers afterwards, as we were saying, we're like, yeah, selling out 5,000 MTs, like as in, but people don't think about what happens after that. How do you manage that community and your customer base and keeping them engaged and happy? And so that's that's where kind of like, is it hopefully like where, what Boot and I can hopefully, you know, um, tackle and actually play in that, that, that problem space. Do you nurture? You, it's the a lot of the stuff afterwards sounds like nurturing communities. That's what that's what it sounds like. And which you're the king of. No Dan, wonder you're in this Remy, space, huh? the, the community king. <laughs> huh? I try. Boot and I try. Yeah, oh, it, it is. It's all about community. Community is one of the pillars of the NFT in general, right? Because uh, I think somebody I can't remember who 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 said this, but like they quoted saying that you know. Uh, NFTs are just clubs for people who are kind of bored, right? They want to they want to participate in something, and again because the last two years they weren't able to participate. So they'll get a digital membership. They'll go and chat online with people who kind of have similar interests to them and they'll become part of something. Right. And then, you know, the selling is one angle, but the maintaining of that, that community is a completely different angle. And then I guess the growing of the brand is another angle. And then it's like the expansion and the scaling of the brand is another angle, but the core of all NFTs is community because if people want the NFT and they want to belong to that community, sorry, if people want to belong to the community, they'll buy the NFT to get access to the community. And that could be for a, a variety of reasons, but that's the fundamental framework to it all. The art is just one part of it. There's utility, which is another part of it, which would be like, you know, the, the getting access to whitelist or getting, uh, you know, uh, maybe like a physical token or something like that. Or uh, I'm trying to think maybe you get Ethereum rewards and that kind of stuff. So think of it in terms of like, I guess a pyramid where, or a Venn diagram where kind of all these things are overlapping, but community is kind of the central uh, structural framework of what NFTs are. No community, no, no NFT really. What are some of the craziest things you've seen in the space? Like people pushing the boundaries and like innovation where you're going far out. That's crazy. I've never seen that before. Does that happen quite often in this space where it's like, well, they've added this into the code and they're doing this other thing. And it must just be, your mind just must be going crazy seeing all these different people do do different things but yeah has there been any standouts or anything that's just really pushed the, the limit yes and no there's been spectacular failures um so like i mean there's been projects where they're like you i'll try and explain it in in, in layman's terms so basically yeah. you buy you buy the nft then you own the nft and you stake the nft like you could stake a cryptocurrency then you start earning a coin or in this case i'm gonna no one's gonna know what the project is you started earning carrots 
And then the more carrots you had, the more you could trade for corn tokens. The more corn tokens you had, then you could sell them to the farmer, but then the farmer could get attacked by a wolf. And if you lost the farm to the wolf, then you lost your corn tokens and you had to rebuy the carrots and restake the, the, the NFT. So like that, that level of thinking and complexity is like, and again, those things were giving like these massive yields, which was just ridiculous, but it was, I mean, those, those were Ponzi schemes, but like they, they, they were pushing the, the barriers of what the tech could do and what people were able to kind of uh, maybe engage with. But then there's other creators like Pac, who is like, again, he's an anonymous, he, we don't even know if he's a he, they are an anonymous figure in the space who cryptically talks about stuff in just these weird codes. And they released an NFT that you could, the more, so usually with an NFT, you get one. And then if you buy another one, then you have two, right? But with this NFT specifically, you could buy 10 and they would kind of merge together and there would just be one NFT, but like 10 times somehow. I don't know how they did the tech, but then you could send that 10 to a wallet with another 10 in it and then it would become 20. So they just kept like merging and merging and merging. And then there's like these games where some people got this rare blue version and people were hunting down to kill the NFT by sending NFTs at these wallets. So they weaponized NFTs in kind of this like game theory kind of way. And that that's where I see if like, the space really getting pushed to its boundaries. And also this creator has their own currency ash, which is a coin, which is used to purchase their NFTs. You can also take their NFTs and burn them to earn ash as well. And this is an example of like pushing the boundaries done well, right? So there's certain creators who, and I think PAC now had the, the, the largest ever art sale uh, of a living artist, which was $90 million in a day, which was their most recent launch kind of thing. So yeah, like there's certain people who are doing it well and doing all this crazy stuff. I think, again, the Ethereum network is prohibiting a lot of this stuff done because like you want to perform these functions where maybe you want to take five NFTs, send them to a wallet and you quote unquote burn them and then you get back something. But because the transactions are so expensive, people aren't able to kind of do this kind of crazy stuff at the moment. So it's like it's stripped back the kind of thing about basics. Um, but I think as the space grows and matures, you're going to see some people like really pushing the boundaries. And, and what we think might be possible now, I, I, I'm, I'm betting we have no idea. It's only going to get way and way more complicated and way more, more like crazy, you know. Hey, before we let you go, I want to, we've already given us a few people to go and look at or go and, go and hunt down to, to learn more. But if someone's listened to this episode, they're, they're 50 minutes in and they're going, Fuck my brains, like you've exploded my brain. I'm inspired. I'm, I'm inspired. Ready I'm, yeah. I'm ready to go and dig deep and look at some stuff. Three things that they can go do to, to get them started, to learn more, to dip their toes in this space. Yeah. So I would go and look at, again, Maddie, at DCL blogger on Twitter. Um, we might, if we can give you a list yeah, of these, we'll the handles. Yeah. Yeah. Pack as an art, the artist is definitely one to look at. Richard, the, the smart contract developer, is definitely someone to look at. Uh, uh, boot. His, I heard there's a guy called Boot. He's follow him on Twitter. Oh yeah, you can follow me. Lowercase Boot if you really want to. Like, uh, yeah, that's oh, a guy I like it. as well. Shameless plug. It's good yeah. now. All um, over it. I haven't even, we haven't even shameless plugged our collection yet. But we'll, yeah, tell, we'll, talk about your collection. <laughs> Come on, tell us. Well, that's what's next. That's coming up. That's in March, isn't it? Very exciting. So it's with a um, um an artist called Paul Malinsky. He's renowned again um, um in the world. He's got half a million followers on Instagram. He's um, finished a Cartier campaign. He's working with um, some really, really strong brands. And yeah, we're releasing it. He's doing his first full collection with us 
in March. But it's yeah, the Lucid we'll Planet, is it? The Lucid Planet or something planet. like that? You got it. It's kind of a choose your own adventure uh, project with its own language. If that if that is kind of a bit of a summation. So basically, you would buy an NFT. It's this uh, world called the Lucid Planet. There's five continents or biomes, and they have like different, uh, I guess, climate, different geography, different like customs and culture. There's kind of a whole world building element to it. Uh, but basically, there's this central theme around these kind of hieroglyphs, and no one really knows why they're there. But there's hieroglyphs all over this planet. Uh, and these people are kind of trying to like crack the code of what these hieroglyphs mean in order to find out like where they came from and who created them and who created the world kind of thing. So like it's part choose your own adventure, part kind of cryptography and code breaking. And uh, it's basically a story that we want to unfold on the blockchain, but we're allowing our collectors and users to tell and to choose part of that journey through um, DAO governance voting. So like by owning the token, you use this application that we have that lets you vote on the direction of the story as well, right? And then again, the overlying that is this big code structure that can start throwing wildcard moments into the mix if it's cracked. So yeah. That's, so that's it's a good on that. It's like as in our community that purchases this NFT will be able to co-design the future of this collection. Correct, correct, yeah. But not, And that's never, that sort of stuff is only just sort of happening now, isn't it? Where it's like all the, you've seen all the different like life selector stuff, like you can do different things with like the VR and all that sort of shit and AR and all that stuff. Does it feel like you're going to be in a different world? It's sort of merging into that space where it's all going to feel like that now, isn't it? That's what it feels like to me, like a, a Black Mirror type of setup, you know, where it's just like- I'm in the internet. I've got the goggles yeah. on now, I'm doing this. I'm choosing my own adventure with art and you're going, that, that's never happened before. If you're like an artist and you can sort of, see where it's going to end and have a couple of different endings and shit. That's fucking crazy. Well, so when we talk about it as like, you know, if I, if, you know, if people are sitting around and they want to be part of something, it's like, let them engage and let them be part of like basically a movie. Let them help write the script and tell the direction of the movie. And like, you know, let them go to work again, come home and then put a vote in to choose the next chapter and choose like a plot line kind of thing. So like it's, it's, it's allowing them to be part of, the narrative of the product that they own. And that's where I see is like kind of what Web3 is doing. It's allowing people to participate with the brand and participate in the direction of the brand and lead some of that brand development um, as opposed to Web2, which is just like, here's the product, we've gatekept you, this is a closed ecosystem, you can't do anything with it kind of thing. Takes so, the pressure off the creator too. Yeah, you can just go, you can just do whatever you want. I've created all these different endings and whatever you want it to, to be, you can you can make it happen. And that's it. And, that, and look, that that is where... The freedom comes because it's like we're not telling you what this product is you tell us what it is basically right again you have to put some some blinders on it because you can't just let it go wild but like yeah i mean that that's it and i think that that model moving forward it's like how can you be annoyed at buying something in which you choose the direction of it right if you if you if you screw it up then you screwed it up basically kind of thing or if you did something that didn't happen and the consensus was to vote for a direction that you didn't like well then that's a community it's it's it doesn't get more democratic than that basically right so it's like it's human-centered design you guys it's yeah really human-centered design it's exciting oh i'm pumped for you guys hey. i can't wait to watch this just explode what else you got going on this is uh we, as time of recording this end of january what are you excited about for 2022 is that this project coming out where other things are on the on the plate uh there's a few things that I can't really talk about yet because they're still on the kind of the 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 stages of being formulated but um 
yeah, I guess it's probably about like bringing this collection to market first and then looking at doing a bit more upscale crazy stuff because this is a kind of a very stripped back uh, project. This is only 650 pieces. Um, and so for reference, I did 3,000 before, but like, I don't think that, that so me, I, me and Dan have some, some plans in the future about like doing larger collections, like 5,000, maybe 10,000, depending on like how the space grows. Uh, but what we really want to do is like, so I, I, I've seen so much like NFT 1.0 in the last year and a half. I want to look at NFT 2.0 basically, right? To use layman's terms. So like what's possible with the tech? How can we push boundaries? How can we create new and engaging creating creative content like using the tech and leveraging the tech maybe not even on the ethereum blockchain maybe using another blockchain and that kind of stuff so basically i think for now it's like expanding the scope for first of all launching and expanding the scope of this first uh product which is the lucid planet uh and then we have a couple of other artists in the background who we're already looking at at, at taking a collection to market with but we can't really we can't really uh, give out that info yet but we will probably give you guys the the alpha the hot scoop as soon as we, we, we can yeah <laughs> For me, I'm excited that like as in you know, seeing more and more people interested in this space. Like um, we touched on the MediKey before. MediKey did a partnership with the Australian Open, and like as in that is awesome. E.g., um, that's just one aspect. So I'm, I'm, uh, that's what I'm really excited about. More and more people coming into the space. I've been very, very fortunate that Boot onboarded me quickly into this space. But like for me, like as in i'm about like community as well like if there's anyone else that i can actually onboard into the space just by talking about this type of stuff and actually helping people in the space that's what i'm passionate about with that so seeing the ecosystem grow that's for me that's awesome because it's going to mean in the future those 20 steps become like three to two steps to purchasing an nft or um, um making a cryptocurrency purchase but like yeah that's what i'm really interested in more people coming into the space well, I'm pumped for you legends and thanks so much for coming on and, and blowing Rob's world because he's just sitting there just banging me now um, under the table going, this is great. This thanks, is grouse. Thanks yeah. so much for jumping in. Excited to see what's going on. Definitely going to be following pretty closely. Yeah. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks guys. It's been a pleasure and uh, yeah, it's always great to, to be able to come and have these kind of conversations with Australians um, mm. and hopefully look, you know, as, as a nation, we can kick goals in this space going forward. And, you know, in, in a month's time, you guys can educate me on some projects that you're part of and you, we can have this conversation again, maybe. Dan Remy, I, I feel like uh, he's, oh, I'd say, about a month away from buying the biggest nightclub in the metaverse, I reckon, next to Snoop Doggy. I just got a feeling. He, he doesn't know that, but I reckon he just, he had Roxanne Parler back in the day and that, but I reckon now he's just going to come up with something new. I always like when we have guests come back on for it's a second It's good, time. isn't it? It's good, isn't it? Yeah, it just, uh, it just feels different. Because people know we're friends. Yeah, it's yeah. nice. <laughs> it's they, go, nice. Oh, they, they must get along. They, they must have liked the first episode, wouldn't they? And, and the title of this episode, you've just yeah, nailed it. Yeah, I've just nailed it, so no worries. Thank you very He actually came up with the title of, he sent me a text here and he's like, these, whatever, JPEG millionaires, and I was like, that would be the best reality TV show in the world. Like, oh. I would watch that. Like, who are these people building out these multi-million dollar fucking pitches? You yeah. know? And they're going, it's not a bad little... There, there you go. That's my... That's well, our idea. My yeah, idea. Hey, anyway, the idea. You're loving it. Sick. Hey, if you're new to the pod, we drop guest episodes Monday, Thursday. Snacks pods, they come at you hot. Tuesday, Wednesday. And uh, hot or not, <laughs> drops tomorrow. See you then. This has been a Wellbeing Network podcast. <laughs>